Welcome, my name's Alan Steinfeld for New Realities. I'm here today with Dr. J.J. Hertog and Dr. Desiree Hertog. We're happy to give this presentation to the MUFON Society of Philadelphia, the Mutual UFO Network, because um, Jennifer Stein has asked me to do this. I invited my friends. So we're going to talk about, um, I would say, the cognitive awareness that happens when you interface a comment by Christopher Mellon, who was the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. And he was part of not just To The Stars, which is a um, civilian organization, he was part of ATIP, which was the secret government organization called the Advanced Aerospace Threat and Identification Program, which was given $22 million by Congress from Harry Reid particularly to do this five-year study of an unidentified aerial phenomena. So ATIP, as it's called now, was something that Christopher Mellon was a part of. And there's one key feature in the ATIP program that I want to focus on here. And this has to do with something Christopher Mellon said in relating to the ATIP program. Do you want to read this, Dr. Hurtak? Okay. So, science exists for an enemy of the United States to manipulate both physical and cognitive environments in order to penetrate U.S. facilities, influence decision makers, and compromise national security. The thing what I'm interested in is this idea of cognitive environments. They don't say what that means. Cognitive environment, it's like we're all part of a cognitive environment where we expect people to do certain things and act a certain way. When you meet these beings, the cognitive environment shifts. That's sort of where I want to go in this program. Do you know what I mean? So yes. actually, even from Dr. Tech had a unique experience and really with other beings, you start having this inductive linkage. But I think what... Uh, he's saying is that even just their presence can feed information to this planet. And in a certain sense, we're all biotransducers. But it also distorts our everyday human awareness. That's what I well, feel is meant by cognitive environment. But you wonder if, and I think one would have to understand, that all the time we are given and getting information, mm -hmm. whether it's from the local consciousness field, which would be, you know, your friends and family or your society or from other levels of reality. And I think that's what he's saying, that these beings are coming into our reality space mm -hmm. and they're feeding information. Dr. Hercheck in his experience in 1973 was told that we would be given information in 64 areas of science to advance astrophysically, we'll say historically having greater knowledge about our past, also cloning biology, all this. Now, it's not that they're coming down and talking to the scientists to right. give them information. This information is being fed to this planet, and that's what they're saying. It's, it can be good or it can no, be bad. No, but it's not just that, but it changes our cognitive perception. So could you talk about it, Dr. JJ, uh, about how you're, when you had this higher consciousness experience, how was your everyday perception altered? That's sort of where I'm going when you met these higher beings. Let us say the whole underlying thesis is the shift in scientific 
reality. Mm -hmm. The paradigm shift that's taking place is shifting everything going back to Roger Bacon, who defined the scientific method, to what John, John Mack was involved with in terms of invisible or paraphysical realities that suggested that scientific truth is up for grabs, it's being changed. And so the cognitive structure that we're facing right now is really starting a whole new roadmap mm -hmm. of how we're working with reality that is visible as well as invisible, physical as well as paranormal that requires a whole new approach to experience before the scientific method. And, and I know that you're thinking, well, okay, if we see a UFO, we shift consciousness. But definitely. we're saying, and I think that he is saying actually something else, I think that um, this man is actually saying just the presence of is feeding us information which can shift the way we think. Again, yeah, that can be feeds for the us, But yeah, like their presence shifts our reality. But it doesn't have to be a visible presence. That's what's interesting. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. I'm sort of talking about the personal shift and you're talking about the collective shift. If you remember when we went to the citizens hearings for UFO disclosure, there was a testimony by Linda Moulton Howe. I and love that she one. talks, yeah. I'll play that here, what happens when this young soldier was in the presence of an ET. Now, this was all set up by the U.S. government for him to have information fed to him by this extraterrestrial. It wasn't just set up for that. It was also set up for what happens when you actually encounter, what happens cognitively to your mind, how it distorts our everyday reality. And that's what I mean by cognitive when you meet these beings. This young guy was ordered by his commanding officer to meet an E.T., to stand face-to-face -face with a little gray. And they actually told the E.T. to make sure he stood on the floor, because oftentimes E.T.'s like to float. You see, what, what is so problematic with the government coming forward, I think, and meeting these other beings is because of this cognitive environment is so distorted for us. This is my theory, and I understand they are being fed something, but are we capable of holding that? Well, are we going to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. I was invited by um, Mr. Rockefeller to the Wyoming ranch, along with uh, some of the people here. Stephen Greer was there, others. And what links in my mind was a discussion that I had with then John Mack, MD, psychiatrist from Harvard University, who had taken a great interest in the abduction syndrome, both as a psychiatrist and then as somebody who was trying to understand, as I and others were, what is the true nature of an advanced intelligence that would be interacting with this planet and may not itself, the prime intelligence, be the actor here, but making various kinds of cloned entities that would interact on this particular planet, in this particular atmosphere, this particular gravity, in this particular solar system. And Dr. Mack and I, at Mr. Rockefeller's place in Wyoming, were discussing this, and we went into the issue of why is it that the non-human intelligence, as described in the human abduction syndrome, appears to be 100% telepathic, with the ability to both place impressions in human minds and to also project three-dimensional holograms that the human mind and I cannot distinguish 
from the world around us. I thought I would share this today to show you if this is true, what I'm going to share with you, it shows how difficult it is for all humans to relate to any aspect of all of this. The military person was describing his firsthand experience that occurred in 1978 in a small town in northern Arizona. And he told me that his superior officer said, we are going to communicate with and bring in one of the Ebens. And I want you to have the experience of what a telepathic download upload is. And he said they described exactly what would happen, that his superior officers would be nearby. They had done this before. It was a test. And that he was to stand in a particular position and that this non-human entity would be asked to stay on the ground because apparently they have the ability to neutralize gravity even in a focused way as an individual body that they would prefer not to walk on the ground. And that one of the conditions would be that the entity would approach him with his full knowledge and that they wanted him to have the experience of the telepathic communication. And I was telling Dr. Mack at Mr. Rockefeller's uh, facility in, in Wyoming that he told me very honestly, he said, you know, I was so full of myself as a young man that when they were trying to warn me that I would not be prepared for what happened, I, th I thought nonsense. But he said, it's my superior officer, and he said, I want you to know that there will be a point where you are going to want to run or collapse, and I'm ordering you to stand. And he said, I thought it was so silly, and then everything started to unfold, and the being came about four feet high. He was six foot four. He remembered how much taller he was. They had told him the being would come up to about three to four feet from him, but be very low. And they told him, all controlled, that the being would simply raise its head, and when the eyes connected with his eyes, he would no longer be in control of his mind. He thought all of it was nonsense. And then the being's head started to rise, and he said, Linda, Imagine having seven feature films with sound, with touch, with heat, with every sensation that we know and more. And over all of the seven films running in your mind are gold three-dimensional symbols. And he said, I remember that my knees began to shake and buckled and I knew that I was fainting and men caught him. And he said, they put me on a cot and they left me there for three hours. And when I woke up, if God himself had asked me what had been communicated in those seven films, I would not know. He said, my superior officer told me later, every human thinking about extraterrestrial biological entities and the whole issue of us not being alone in the universe and the wonder of being able to travel the universe and to communicate with non-humans 
we would like to do it over coffee. And he said, it isn't going to happen. Because what happens when their minds telepathically download to our minds, they are uploading every single thing we've ever experienced or thought from our minds. And that the end result often is information is added by the non-humans into the human mind that has had this experience. But then we live on a planet where our fellow humans cannot even hear what uploaded, downloaded information from non-humans might be because we have taken the position, as odd as it is, that we are alone in the universe and this does not exist. And Dr. Mack, after I told him that story, he looked at me and he said, you know, Linda, I agree, I think we are dealing with extraterrestrial biological entities in some cases. But he said, you know, I think that it's too complex, that it must involve time travelers, other dimensions, and that we are truly like little infants approaching something that is beyond our understanding. Because their sense of presence is so multidimensional, unless we're already at that level of higher consciousness, we can't take it in. And I think it's interesting. So there was actually seven different layers of information, right? We talk about the seven chakras or various aspects of the seven that come out even in the Christian theology. But then on top of that was a gold flashing symbol. We actually call them kind of superscripts or flame letters. And this is the encoding mechanism that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And it is overwhelming. Here's this young, strong guy, taller than the ZT, and he passes out completely. And what he also <laughs> says in here is that he realized that even though he was getting information that he can't even remember from these this alien being he knows that the information was also going out of him to the alien being so it's like a, a flow of energy that was passing between the two and that's kind of a little shocking no it is true. shocking what jj wants to say well i want to say that i was also present at this hearing and i was mentioned the context of Brazilian representatives who said officially on behalf of government uh, records, I was there seeing the small beings from Varginha that were captured by the Brazilian military. And here is a picture of Desiree and I. We were made honorary chiefs of the Chavanti peoples of wow. the central Mato Grosso period of, of Brazil. So we are speaking now from authority as anthropologists, as social scientists, as linguists, mm -hmm. who had the opportunity to talk to medical doctors mm -hmm. who examined the physical specimens. So on one hand, you have the SETI approach, search for extraterrestrial intelligence that looks for physical specimens. On the other, you have the approach now by another generation of scientists looking at unidentified aerophysical phenomena or realities that deal with the paranormal or the paraphysical, i.e. those that are outside the scientific measurement. Right. So we're at the crossroads of redefining the cognitive structure that we need. And this is what Desiree and I represent, what we call future science, science guided by consciousness, because science of consciousness 
provides both the entree to the material as well as the mental and the paradigm. Right, but tell me what you told me. Tell them what, about the Shavante, how they get in exactly. your head. Exactly. Yeah. So we've been talking. That's how we're communicating information. But the Shavante, who actually sleeps sometimes like 20 or 25 people to one room all night long. Actually, what's interesting <laughs> is that literally they get in your head. So even when you're away from them, after you've been with them for a day, you literally are picking up constantly on their thoughts and they're picking up on your thoughts. This is something we can do. And this is something also that aliens can do. And that's the one thing we don't realize because we always think we're individuals and we're in control <laughs> of our minds. But what we're saying is look at ET experiences. Look at, we'll say, the indigenous experiences. This is the, the shortcoming that Michael Foucault, the great French social scientist, said many years ago, Western minds are looking things through the eyes and not perceiving things through the other senses. Mm -hmm. So we're going beyond the five senses into the realm of the sixth and seventh sense right. of being able to work with the paranormal, the paraphysical, and we will call the meta-sciences of realizing we need a whole new scientific roadmap of how we can work with multidimensional realities because we are in essence multidimensional beings besides having human eyes. Well, that's what I was going to say. We, the ETs themselves are multidimensional. Right now we're very linear. I'm seeing you and I'm speaking one syllable at a time. If we want to learn multidimensionality, we should study the dolphins, which can create four sounds at once through their nostril, through their mouth, through their vocal cords, and through their blowhole. All at the same time, they generate sound. And just think that guy collapsed after seeing, you know, just those things going through his mind. But imagine making those sounds at the same time, how multidimensional we have to be. So that's the evolution of the cognitive landscape we need to move into is this multi-sensory, multi-linguistic, multi-awareness that really we are. And actually, Alan, including <coughs> ourselves, have all worked with remote viewing right. and have been doing this somewhat successfully. Now, how does this work? Well, we had studied this with Elizabeth Rauscher, who is a well-known PhD from UC Berkeley. And we published with her this book, which really is a textbook. Really? The Dynamics of the Mind or Mind Dynamics in Space and Time, Going Beyond the Perceptual Modalities of Space and Time, which are ways we think, not realities that and, we live in. And what she believed in terms of remote viewing, and this is something everybody can do, absolutely, is that it's not working on the three-dimensional level or in this space, or even time, because people have precognitive experiences. They're very, very accurate. So it's going beyond the third dimension and even the fourth dimension. She thinks they're working with what she calls eight space, which is the fourth dimension times two or eight dimensional reality. So in a certain sense, we are already functioning on that eight dimensional reality. And that's so important to realize that that's our capability. So what ET is doing, I think for us, is not just showing us a greater technology mm -hmm. that they're able to do, but they're showing us really our own capability of being, we'll say, cognitive, super cognitive right. beings. So we have to rise to their level when you're speaking to an animal that may not be as intelligent you like your dog, you don't bark at them. To, under, to make them understand. You talk in the language that the higher consciousness exists, and I think they're pretty high in a way. But so the ETs are not talking to us in the language that we are everyday sensibility. They're talking to us in a multi-dimensional sensory 
presentation that we have to rise to if we're really going to understand this cognitive exchange that's coming. And, you know, you mentioned dogs, and we've uh, talked very many times with Rupert Sheldrake, mm -hmm. and he has actually done studies showing that animals, both cats and dogs, those are the easiest ones to study, actually are able to pick up on our thoughts. And a lot of veterinarians know don't even make an appointment for their cat because even if you've done it from your work office, never put the cage out, that cat is gone when you are going to go get him. And of course, this is true for uh, dolphins and many other species. I, I love this one story, actually. This is very sad. There was really an elephant whisperer in Africa and he always helped these elephants. And when they were better, he sent them out and they were fine. When he died, yeah. no one told the elephants, but they all came from far, far places and they tracked them. Right. to be with him so they know we don't know we're the stupid ones we're the <laughs> well because we have this left brain that thing that is just lean but our right brain really knows everything that right brain is the part that remote views it's the part that knows everything about anything anytime we're connected to the cosmos we just have this um what what did uh Werner Earhart call this idiot called the the, 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 you know, the dominant brain or the left brain that thinks it knows. It so doesn't we really. have at least seven different levels here on the mm -hmm. table. The physical, the three-dimensional, the anti-physical, which is the world of negative mass. We have also the physiological sensory system. We have the psychological, the mental network. We have the paraphysical that deals with the unexplained phenomena. <laughs> uh, Desiree has alluded to, Elizabeth Rauscher also, the dealing with consciousness expansion. Then we have the cosmic cultures that deal with all possibilities because the moon locked into space and time as the human race assumes and operates. And finally, the higher spiritual, which connects us really what I call in the keys of Enoch, the higher evolution. The human evolution is but a subset of a much higher evolutionary frontier. That being the case, we need a new cosmic language, yes. which the keys of Enoch call the language of light that incorporate the signs, the symbols, the understanding of what is behind the metaphors, and also the ability to integrate both the spiritual and scientific aspects of the human experience so that we are able to stand naked, unashamed, unafraid, before any messenger or, shall we say, representative of a foreign culture and recognize, yes, this is a brother or sister from some other realm that we can integrate with in terms of our language of experience. Right. I think what makes this book by Dr. Hurtock, The Keys of Enoch, Book of Knowledge, so incredible is that you read it on many, many levels at once. You're not reading it with the logical mind, but you're reading it and taking in a lot more information that the words suggest that take you into these other realms. Well, actually, the interesting thing, and of course, tying back into what uh, Linda Mullenhouse said, the teaching, this comes back to the 70s, a teaching given on seven levels to be read and visualized. It also has golden letters in the cover. So it's part of the language of the golden octave or golden vibration, namely the eight. The significance or the gamatria of eight or eight, 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 and the Hebrew and the Greek represents the car Christ, the cosmic Christ experience. Right. Well, life beyond normal life, life that's elevated. Well, just by what you were saying, each number represents a different cognitive uh, environment. You know, if you're concentrating on the singularity or the duality or the trinity uh, or the quadrants, right. each one is a different level of thinking about the nature of reality. So we're saying, you know, man who has been known, it says it in the Bible, of 
being 666. But what we're saying is we need to go to 777 to start working on these seven levels of reality. Or reverse 66 into 999. Well, I was going to say, which takes us into the eight, which brings us into the infinite area, and then the nine, which really takes us into these higher realms. Now, speaking about mm -hmm. these higher realms and extraterrestrials, I think it's important to understand that as we have seen from many people who have had some experiences on board extraterrestrial spacecraft, that there's not a lot of push buttons and levies and pulls. They actually do it also by the power of the mind. They may use a handprint and there may be some sort of other energy exchange, but ultimately a lot of the travel direction is all done by the power of the mind. In fact, I think we were talking with Jennifer about this in terms of the work of uh, Travis Walton when he sat in this special chair that he actually was able to think and look around and see different star fields. I believe if he knew how to do that, he could actually direct the flow of the spacecraft directly. Well, the craft itself has an intelligence and is possibly conscious as well. So that's how the interface works. So the bottom line here is consciousness is the hidden variable for quantum transition. Consciousness is behind the science of the universe. And we're just becoming aware of the powers of consciousness. Let me just read a few verses from what Elizabeth Desiree and I wrote regarding future science and the power of consciousness. Consciousness is involved in all measurement processes and procedures. The greater degree that consciousness is involved, the more nonlinear the system becomes. Consciousness can affect micro as well as macroscopic realities such as earth size events or scales of higher phenomena. Consciousness may not as a conservative entity. Say that again, consciousness may act. Consciousness may act as a conserved entity, that is, have density-like properties, can have volume, the, the spatial, as well as the temporal modalities of influence that, in its operation. That's ET level. That's, so that's what, what we're talking about, as you just said. Yeah. ET involvement, we understand a different concept of volume, the texture of life, and also the power of consciousness behind all of these higher senses. Right. When we say consciousness, we think it's thinking, but it's not thinking in the way we know thought to be. ETs, from what I can perceive, don't think like this. They don't think linear. They take in the whole field. They're, they're field sensors, so they live more in the abstract. We always like to collapse the wave function into a concrete reality. I think, from what I've learned, and Whitley's latest book, Whitley Strieber's latest book, A New World, sort of alludes to it, they live in the abstract where all things are possible. That's why they can move through time and space so easily and manipulate time and manipulate consciousness of the people that are we're so fixed on a reality. So here's the picture of my work in the pyramids of Mexico. By using certain harmonics through divine names of the divine, we call them mantrams or sacred expressions, we see in some instances light manifesting as a sphere or as a pillar of light mm -hmm. and then remanifesting in the sign of a dove, which is a universal symbol. Oh. It's called Ba. It's called uh, La Paloma in Spanish, of course, but it has a different name in the ancient Hebrew. Bathkol means the voice of the dove, the language of light that commands the metaphysical symbols, mm -hmm. which show a higher meaning to the architecture of life. But I like also what Alan was saying, and I believe that ties into quantum physics a bit, 
which is the fact that there's never one solution. There's all the possibilities. And that's something we need to start developing to see as well, that, you know, you think there's one solution to your life, but in actuality, there's myriads of solutions, mm -hmm. myriads of possibilities. And if you're a higher being, we'll say you're even an extraterrestrial, that I don't always classify as higher, but just being able to use the gifts that we have in a reality level that we're not using yet. But you can see those possibilities and then you can actually pattern them out with like precognition to see which one is the best solution for yourself. Right. So this is really something that we actually can gain from understanding the possibilities that are there. Well, I also want to say about this picture and what Dr. Hurtot's experience is once you open the doors to those other realms, they're accessible and phenomena like this sort of happens around you because you're no longer restricted by the old cognitive environment, which is a very conditioned um, perception. We're only looking through the window like this, but you know, um, what William Blake said, if the doors of perception were cleansed, we see things as they truly are, which is infinite. And that's why you graduate from phenomena to noumena which is the power of the mind's consciousness revealing the knowledge or the wisdom behind the event. Otherwise, you're captured in phenomena and you simply stop short of knowing the meaning of the symbol or the event that takes place before your eyesight. But what people are experiencing now also are a lot of synchronicities. And I think right. that's so important, but you can only really get in that flow of the synchronicities, which some of which are amazing. If you follow that kind of inner guidance, that higher thought form that's coming to you. So we all have to be a little bit sensitive to know that. And I think that ties us back to the extraterrestrials or what we also call the ultra terrestrials, which are beings that are beyond the fifth dimension, even in the seventh, eighth and ninth up to the 24th dimension, according to our cosmology. But the idea being that you know there are those who are trying to direct you. And this is, you will find, even with extraterrestrials, people who have met them, there, there's always this uh, message in a certain sense, usually the positive ones. Like uh, I think of Carlos Diaz in Mexico in the area of Tepetzlan. His concern with the beings he encountered was the environment of the planet. So he, you know, after that started working in the direction of helping the planet and he was guided in ways of doing that. Right. The ETs are trying to lift us up to be not just the stewards of the earth, but to be conscious of everything we do, everything we put into the earth, everything we put into our body, every thought we have. We need to rise up out of the old ways of thinking if we're going to save ourselves, the planet, each other, and have a, a future science in which to live into. Right. Absolutely. Now, we're talking as researchers and scientists who have been in the field of investigation for more than 48 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this in, in deep humility. It was only in the context of the spiritual experience of utilizing the names of the Most High God, or what some would call the management, that we have these unique opportunities mm -hmm. to capture on film the events of what Desiree has called the Ultra Terrestrial. Again, this is one picture taken of myself some 20 years ago at the base of pyramids in Mexico and Tulum. We're in the context of using divine or higher laboratory language a sudden spiel of light appears around my body and rushes through my body. A man taking a picture of his wife in the foreground captures this in a millisecond. 
But those there feel the energy rush of light. And again, the name of pyramids, of course, in the ancient Greek means fire in the middle. Right. We were there within the context of something that was sacred. We were using sacred language. We had a sacred experience. A morphological door was open. And so this is our presentation with you this afternoon. You cannot use the concept of a new conceptual field in black and white language. You cannot think of new science without experience. Right. The old way is you had to define the scientific method and then look for the event. In the new process of science, you have the event and redefine science. Right. So what we're saying here is that reality is much bigger than we can imagine. I think uh, who said reality is not only stranger than we imagine, it's stranger than we can imagine. And that's the thing. The idea of ET contact means we have to develop a deeper sense of lucidness. Like you know how you're sometimes awaking your dreams or that at one level. We need to develop that lucidity about all these other levels. Like you said to me, Desiree, the other day, just seeing a UFO alters your consciousness. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I also want to say that uh, I think it's important that people will say, when are they coming? When is everyone going to see them? And I don't believe that they will appear. Many people agree with this until there's some major shift that takes place. Certainly they well, would come. We're in the shift. Yeah, we're in the shift. <laughs> but I would just say that if there's a nuclear, uh, we'll say, type of war, they would probably intervene. I think so. I hope so. But until that time, even though we are in what even the Keys of Enoch call a space-time overlap, which is where our consciousness is linking higher with other levels of consciousness, ultimately they are feeding us the information to help us get through this. And in some cases, of course, like the Carlos Diaz experience, they are actually appearing. And the young man who saw the light ships and was able to take pictures in Tepetzla, Mexico. But this conversation really revolves around two scientific papers of Einstein. Mm -hmm. He wrote in 1935, one was what is called the the uh, Einstein Podolsky Rosen paper right, right. on spooky realities, or what Desiree would at call spooky at a distance. Mm -hmm. And the other would, deals with what is called the ideas of wormholes, or the fact that there are cosmic portals right. through which physical intelligence, as well as non physical, can come from one dimension of the greater universe to the local universe mm -hmm. or planetary system. And so the contradictions that have existed between SETI, the the search for nuts and bolts of ET realities and the other searches dealing with the paranormal can converge if we take seriously the implication of Einstein's two papers, which is seen in the Keys of Enoch, which is the bridge to 64 new areas of science, psychology, and spirituality, hmm. all which converge around realizing that we are part human and part divine. Right. We share the divinity of being multidimensional, non-local, but we share also the physical of being local and of substance. So when we're talking about getting fed information, we'll say to advance our sciences from extraterrestrial levels of intelligence or what we would also call ultra-terrestrial levels of intelligence because they're helping us, they're working with us, they're trying to assist us. But in actuality, we're also feeding information into that field as well. So right. that energy is actually going out. And I think one of the things with spooky action at a distance is the story of my friend, this is back in literally the early 70s, 
when she was out with an expedition in the Bermuda Triangle, and they were simply doing marine biological research. There was nothing extraterrestrial or even uh, paraphysical about them, but they actually encountered alien intelligence, the spaceship, and they had information in exchange with alien intelligence. And at one point then they were told not to say too much. And this is really back in the seventies, but she was at someone's house and my friend who was with her was a lawyer and he loves to get things out of people and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And all of a sudden, literally this desk that was there, I mean, this shelf, ultimately the chef just threw up with all the bottles and everything that had been on it. So ultimately she goes, Oh, I can't say anymore. So while she was talking, there was a cognitive connection to that alien intelligence that was listening and gave her a sign. Right. This happens to many situations, many people around the world. And I don't believe she had an implant. I mean, implants are one thing and implants no, do work. I, I think we're always, you're saying we're always connected to this higher intelligence at moments. It taps us on the shoulder or throws things up in the air because we're interfacing with something that's beyond human that we actually are. We are also beyond human. Just like those animals know when their owner is coming home, which we think, well, how can an animal know that? We know a lot more than we give ourselves credit for as humans. So we need to develop a lucid awareness of multiple dimensions. You're not just humans sitting in those chairs. You're functioning on higher levels. Yes, the pineal pituitary gland, when that opens up, we see those other realities. When you see just a UFO, Grant Cameron says this in the essay that I'm writing that he wrote for my book called Making Contact. It's never a coincidence. It's never, oh, that you just happen to be at the right place. No, it's always planned. This is what he says, that the UFO is somehow tracked with your consciousness and you are meant to see it because you're part of something bigger. If you're listening to this program, if you're part of MUFON, you're part of something bigger. A lot of other people aren't listening. They're watching the football game, but not you. You're listening to this and you're part of the bigger picture. So welcome. And there's a reason for that. And yes, uh, Andre Puhark, when he worked with Uri Geller, oftentimes also he and Uri would see spaceships, but there could be people nearby that also didn't see them. They weren't attuned to that. And I think it's very important to realize that we have this the field, as Lynn Mishagger calls it, or the consciousness field, but it's not just global. This is so important. It's cosmic, it's universal. And really, we're putting energy out there all the time. So let's put out positive thoughts, sometimes thoughts of contact. Many people have done this, thoughts of contact, and those ships kind of appear. This is something right. where there's techniques and train, training of it. Or you can put out thoughts of higher contact to, you know, a higher force field of divine intelligence that also is awakened uh, to your energy. Well, that's where the spiritual awareness comes in. Like I'll ask you, Dr. Hurtak, it wasn't an accident. Suddenly you had that experience in 73, was it? After many years of soul searching and study of comparative religions, mm -hmm. and also having linguistic training and background studying ancient languages, it was the combination of using in sincerity the names of God with a musical cue Mm -hmm. and that opened the morphogenic door. And I feel soul. this is something of soul preparation yeah. that each of us have, and that's our invitation to everyone watching this program. There is a paraphysical dimension that's been excluded from Western science mm -hmm. that now we must use to build that bridge of understanding we need with our cosmic friends and the cosmic others, mm -hmm. who in reevaluating our non 
military approach to outer space, that is to say, not putting weapons of mass destruction, right. we have matured enough to say, yes, we're ready as a planetary society to join the galactic family of nations. Right, so getting back to the original idea here about what Christopher Mellon put out there, the cognitive environments, be aware of your cognitive environment. See how you're shifting every moment. See what happens when you see a UFO. Like you know if it's a drone or a UFO, how you feel in relationship to those objects. It's the same thing that happened in shamanic cultures. They would, they would tune into something and they would shift their reality. And this is a global event, so this is why I had shall we say, use the different pronunciation of national procedures to rational procedures because of the rational mm -hmm. context that has to change. We have tens of thousands of documents, but it's the interpretive nature mm -hmm. that will require us to take a leap of consciousness and realize there's more to life than that which ends at the doors of Mother Earth. We are mm -hmm. being prepared to be cosmic citizens. And I would say though, being cosmic citizens, we have to realize, and some of you may not agree with this, but that the local heavens of extraterrestrials are similar to the thought form consciousnesses of this planet. Some are really good, some are nice guys, some are trying to help, some are just saying hi to us, things like that. And there's some that aren't so nice. Exactly, so really when we're picking up on these thought forms that we're talking about, you know, use your own discernment. I think this is extremely important. Even people who have had different experiences say this discernment is important. If you're picking up on something that doesn't feel right, doesn't seem right, you know, move on to another location. Right. One more thing I want to say, and we could wrap it up if you want, is that we haven't been taught to trust who we are, what we think, our impressions, our psychic awareness. Psychology has done us a service to understand who we are, but it's done a great disservice in mistrusting our multi-dimensional mind. It says, oh, if you're hearing voices, if you're feeling things, it's just your imagination. It's not your imagination. If you're feeling something, you're not making it up. You're picking up another level of reality. So we have to start to trust ourselves. We have to start to trust our experience. Consciousness is a way to get in touch with ourselves. And disclosure, really disclosure, is an inside job. So just remember that. And I would say this. I had the opportunity yes. to work with Jacques Boulay and Dr. Heineck mm -hmm. at the first International Congress on UFOs in Acapulco, Mexico in 1977, and Walt Andrus, who was president of MUFON, wrote a good critique of my presentation as an experiencer mm -hmm. of the higher realities. I had also the opportunity to be part of the first, quote-unquote, government disclosure that took place in May of 1995 in Washington, D.C., where I showed evidence from Africa and other countries that this was a global phenomena taking place that required a higher interpretation. So which way do we go? We can go with Timothy Good's work, Need to Know. And Timothy is a fantastic writer. I recommend this book. Or we can go with the non-traditional approach that uh, Dr. Elizabeth and yours truly presented, Mind Dynamics in Space and Time. We must have the need to experience, not the need right. to know. Because you can have millions of documents. You can have hundreds of thousands of artifacts of metallurgy from other planets, mm -hmm. some of which I was privileged to bring back from Brazil to the United States authorities. But if you can't put two and two together, that we are physical and non-physical, mm. we are spiritual as well as non-spiritual, mm. then you don't see the complexity that the body is a microcosm of all these higher and 
mundane realities. Right. This is why disclosure by government sources have been such a difficult job because we've been taught re reality is only physical. So how do you come along and tell a world population that the phenomenon is not physical? It's, it's cognitive. And this is where we're moving into as a planetary civilization. You understand that consciousness creates reality. And that's something the military and the government have yet to even language, but this is what this kind of program is all well, about. Well, I actually think that's one of the reasons why the government hasn't released the information. That's what I mean. Yeah, one point is that there's different ETs. And so that's, how do you explain that? Right. And we believe that there's over 70 different ET races. We've been working on a book regarding that. And I know there's some new books coming out connected with new But when you're also. too far ahead of the game, you're criticized. And so the keys have not been taken seriously until recent times, until, uh, a plethora of confirmations have taken place. But two, also is what Alan was alluding to, is the fact that it's not like nuts and bolts. And thank goodness, uh, because of the work of many people in MUFON, MUFON has come from the nuts and bolts scenario to understanding that it's consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's also multidimensional, that many of these ETs can go into the fifth dimension and other situations like that. So we think, uh, you know, it's ongoing. There's so many different levels. How do you explain this to the so people? So MUFON can be called multidimensional UFO network. <laughs> right, but it's um, so it's so complex. Like if, if someone asks me, let's say about you, I know you, how do you describe a person? How do you describe a reality? How do you describe a cognitive environment? It's sort of beyond description. You have to be the experiencer. And that's what I think real contact is all about. Valuing the experience and accepting it as part of a greater reality. That's why I call my program New Realities. <laughs> and we Ellen, are... we're very privileged to be with you. You've been a fantastic journalist, opening Thank the doors you. of discussion with so many heavyweights throughout the world. But more to the point, we're at a time of major change. Yeah. And we have to go beyond the fear and uncertainty to recognize that there's a divine spark within each of us that we need to emphasize and also synergize. Right. And so we're looking at a roadmap, not longer a two-dimensional or three-dimensional landscape, but we're looking at a living universe where we are entering into a new phase of graduating from being humankind into space kind. Right. With no set limits of space and time, we have conquered the arbitrary nature of space and time. Right. And as a result, we appear as beings who have this cosmic potential taking the gifts and the divine roadmap together. Right. We really are on that threshold. Well, so, we're close to it. Okay, right. well, we're, the threshold's a big door. But, but anyway, but the idea that we are starting to go out into space, I, I guess Elon Musk is just dying to get to Mars. We may even be there, according to some no. people, but at least there are those ETs that are watching us from right. Mars and maybe even from the moon, right. if you want to take a look at that. But the idea, in addition to that, is we really need to put away our weapons of war. We need to be peaceful beings going out into space so we don't destroy space like we're doing here on but, Earth. But what I just want to say, this is a chance to push my new book coming out called Making Contact, The New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. It's a compilation by many of the best authors, best speakers in the field, including the Hertogs and Whitley Strieber and Linda Moulton Howe. I even got an essay from John Max archives that they gave me permission to 
print that, and Nick Pope. And it talks about levels and levels of reality. So we look at this book I put together, Making Content, including my own experiences. We see it starts from the nuts and bolts and it goes into the psychological, into the experiential, and then into the merging of consciousness from human to extraterrestrial. So that's how complex a situation we're talking about here. And this is why I put together this book due out by St. Martin's Press in June. So I hope everyone picks it uh, up. 2021. 2021. But this will, thanks to the Hurtots and many people, give us a huge foundation of how many levels we operate on as cognitive beings. And that's the part that I like to keep going back to is cognition is how we perceive reality. And it's either controlled by the external forces or it's willed out of the soul to be expansive. And I just like to say also, if you talk about remote viewing, which I know is a popular topic, according to Russell Targ and Elizabeth Rauscher, it's not a matter of sending your thoughts there and having them back. It's a matter of in this entangled reality that we exist in, the spooky action in the distance, it's being there. So we can actually be there right now. We can experience things. And that's what some people have done in uh, contact with other beings. They've actually seeing themselves being in the midst of a spaceship. They don't even know how they got there. Right. But it's their consciousness field that is able to be cognitive in those other realities. I just want to say, it's the ETs themselves, from what's in, they're not out there. They're actually right here. Once we get out of the way of this left brain mechanics, like when There's I talk... one. Thank you. <laughs> or this linear reality. But when I've taught remote viewing... <laughs> When I taught remote viewing, it's like you don't have to really go anywhere. All you have to do is be empty and the psychic signal of what you're remote viewing just comes to you. You're not guessing. You're seeing the images. It's actually like a window in your brain opening up. I'm teaching a class on remote viewing for the Open Center and I'll put the link below. Also, Portal to Ascension, I'm teaching another class. Yeah, Because I think it's so fascinating that everyone has this capability to have non-local awareness, as Russell Tarr calls it. All right, let me summarize then. One, the human race is a natural cosmophysical reality. I'm not sure what that means. We're waking up okay. <laughs> to who we really are in the universe. In the cosmos and the physical. We okay. exist in both realities. Number two, we are multidimensional non-local beings. We're okay. here, but we're also throughout the universe through the consciousness. Three, consciousness is the real matrix behind both the material as well as the mental universe. And we must understand consciousness is part of the new creative process. Right. Number four, extraterrestrial studies or science has to graduate to become multidimensional. In to, look at, to look at science in a new way, right. actually, not linearly, yeah. but in a holistic, um, penetrating levels and levels of awareness. Well, it's really, in a certain sense, quantum physics, which is amazing, even the power of thought, we know from the observer. And number five, it, evolution doesn't stop with Mother Earth, it continues. So we're both physical as well as non-physical in terms of the greater makeup. We are both scientific as well as spiritual in terms of the inner makeup. And so to bring the two together is to use the ancient metaphor of Alpha and Omega. This is the opportunity of Alpha and Omega to rewrite history in terms of the divine science that's been mm -hmm. overlooked in terms of mythology in the West, but the divine science in spirituality that is looked at in terms of the deeper 
linguistic traditions of the East, mm -hmm. bringing East and West together through the human heartbeat. Mm -hmm. and so, of compassion mm -hmm. is the important ingredient. Without the greater love and compassion, we ignore all of the other options and possibilities that make up the reality of what we call the human race. Right. It is a great invitation to be here with all of the friends of the MUFON organization to realize that we are graduating as a human race into the fifth dimensional reality. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? It means that scientific uh, meaning will be changed, scientific truth will be understood differently, the ontology of evolution will be changed into something more pluralistic, and four, and most importantly, the divine spark that will lead to the Godhead, however we define it by different mm -hmm. cosmic traditions, mm -hmm. means ultimately we are experiencing the divine which is already imprinted within us. Right. Life yeah. itself is the divine in operation. Right. That's right. You had something. Well, I just want to leave the uh, audience with this thought. We've been talking a lot about the cognitive reality, but also why did someone like Travis Walton see on a spaceship beings that look like us? That's a different topic, but I'd like to have that question left open-ended for each one of you who are listening. Well, how are we or beings that look like us, we call it the Adamic species, also out in space? Well, one more thing I want to leave you with is to... This cosmic spark, how do we get there? Put away your cell phone, put it down, go out into nature and be with yourself. Get out of linear thought. Be aware of what the world is saying to you. When you sit in nature, I've just had the opportunity to sit in the desert in Sedona. It is so full and so rich of information and cognitive sensing that it ignites the divine spark. So that's one way to start evolution, if you haven't started already, is be with yourself, be with nature, and be open to more than what your conditioning has told you you are. And I would also say then if you want to develop your remote viewing, you pick back up your cell phone, but before you do when it's ringing, you see in your mind's eye, Who's calling you? That's the first way to start. Everyone can do it. And it's a great way to begin remote viewing and seeing the consciousness field that we're living in. But I say, put down yourself. <laughs> so you can just be with yourself. No, it's all good. It's all good. Thank you, Desiree Hurtag, JJ Hurtag. And also to quote the ancient prophets, yes. both in the Old and New Testament, as well as the mystical traditions, Yes. be a light unto the nations. Realize why you're here to be part of that great light that superluminal glory, that greater focus on the purpose of being human, but also being with the divine. And also why they're here, because they're watching to see that we make the right decisions. Almost every level of science now has a decision in terms of energy technology, in terms of AI, in terms of cloning. We are at a cusp of deciding positively to use this technology or negatively. We believe that 64 areas of science have been fed to us, given to us through this cognitive experience to awaken us, but now it's up to us to use the technology in the right way. Futurescience.org and keysofenoch.org. Right, and you look for my book, Making Contact, The New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence, coming out June of 2021, which is really lays out a lot of the conversation we had here, my name's Alan Steinfeld. Also look for me on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash new realities. I just want to leave with something that I always think about a quote over 
the Oracle of Delphi, which was a mystical place that people went to in Greece. And it said over the entrance there, not in neon, but it just said it there, it said, know thyself and you will know the cosmos and the gods. And this is what we're coming into. Thank you, Jennifer, for inviting us on the show. And we welcome questions from MUFON, MUFON Philadelphia, or anyone who's watching, put in the chat, and um, we'll see you soon. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the audience here today. Thank you. And my man Bashar, ten rabbis, a physicist, guru, and a genius. A woman who can teach you how to grow your penis. I'm a Ramtha, Jay Z, channeling true love. Oh, reality's boring. We're starting a new one. Hearts popped open. Dalai Lama, rock your soul with my tantric chakras. Now say Om with Deepak Chopra. Natasha's so dope. Who needs Oprah? Shaman Steve and his higher selves. NSA can't stop my elves. Fairies land. Whole world's dusted, hugging undercovers, butt naked in public. Government's bugging, but they're so corny. Back to the crap, first starborn orgy. What? It's realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's interviews, the realities. Where do I begin? A left mention? JJ Hurtock, keys of Enoch. Open up doors, teleport to Montauk. Navy ships disappear for battling. Duncan Cameron starts time traveling. Nassim Harriman, electron spin. Word I am word cell channeling. Paulo, masculine, feminine. Marianne Williamson, tears to triumph. Jay goddesses lift weights with their vaginas. Till there's a tantric holy glow. Jody Sabrota's a UFO. From Sedona to DC, Washington disclose ETs. David Icke is like Adam and Eve. Meet me down a caravan of dreams. For Alan fells the realities. What she's what? It's the realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's interviews, the realities. Where do I begin? A left mention, the realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's in the future, the realities. Where do I begin? Yeah.